Hello and welcome to the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Wood, and it is great to be here. Thank you for listening in. Good to have you. It is a beautiful day in early May, and it's pretty much springtime here in northern Maine. Trapping season's over here, and it's probably over in most parts of the country. Perhaps places in Canada and Alaska, there's still a little bit of spring trapping going on. Uh, but here it's all wrapped up. Uh, actually been in the woods today and spotted a couple of active beaver lodges. So the scouting for next year's trapping season has already begun. But anyway, it's a great time of year. Uh, one of the best times of year for me. I just love it when the weather finally breaks and the snow is almost all gone. Uh, the green grass is starting to pop out in the fields. We got cows having calves. Um, and there's just a million things to do all at once. Uh, one of the things that I try to squeeze in every year this time of year is to get out and look for shed moose antlers. And this is the prime shed hunting season as soon as the snow melts and you can get out in the woods. And before the leaves come out... Um, and block your view and make it much more difficult to find the things. So I went out for half a day today and uh, picked up a couple of sheds, so that was good. Uh, that can that can be a challenge, uh, but it gets you in really good shape. And it's man, it's just, you know, as a trapper, it's, it's really just a great thing to be out in the woods. We kind of get addicted to being in the woods, and every time I'm out there, I realize how much I enjoy it. So... Um, a great day. So the Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, and there's a lot going on at Cots Brothers as well. K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com is the website where you find the guys. We've got a trapping supply company out of Savannah, Illinois. And if you've signed up for the newsletter, I know some of you have, and uh, the newsletter at Cots Bros, they send something out to update people every once in a while. They haven't had one out in a while, but if you are signed up, you should have got one this week. Uh, on uh, uh, the 2nd of May, they sent this newsletter out. If you didn't get it and you're signed up, uh, check your spam folders on your email Um you may, you may, it may have showed up in in one of the other folders. Uh, I know Gmail has is notorious for screening a lot of your emails, but anyway, mine showed up, and it just uh, gives a couple of updates on what's going on. It sounds like uh, they had quite a winter there in Illinois, and they've had a little bit of northern Maine weather. Uh, looks like they talked about a, a building collapse from snow. And a lot of uh, a lot of work associated with that. A few other updates: uh, Duke Traps. They they sell uh, Duke Traps there as well as a number of other brands. They've raised their prices by 10% as of January 1st. So if you want to get Dukes, uh, now's the time to buy because uh, everybody in the industry is basically going to be raising the retail price of those. So. Uh, looks like Cots Bros are going to be raising retail on Duke Traps around the 1st of August. So now's the time to get those uh, if, if you want to get them. Uh, also, uh, those insulated shoulder gauntlets, the BMAC um, 31-inch shoulder gauntlets, no longer being made. I actually have a pair of those that I love. So uh, I mean, you have to get on there and get a couple pairs. So they have a few left in, on uh, on hand. Not very many, so you might want to pick those up before they're gone. By the time you hear this, they may already be gone. So uh, lures and baits, they are grinding meat like crazy. So uh, (laughs) Kyle said he and Kellen probably lifted over 18,000 pounds of meat in the process of grinding it and getting stuff ready for uh, bait. So if if you want to make your own bait, make your own lure... Uh, and you need some ground meat, they have a whole pile of that there. So that's what's going on with Cots Bros. Uh, Thanks to those guys for supporting the podcast. It's great to have them on. And we definitely appreciate their support. And go place an order if you you don't mind. And the Trapping Today podcast is also brought to you by Fur Harvesters Auction. A new sponsor, and it's great to have Fur Harvesters on. I... I, uh, really love what they do there and uh, it's just a a really excellent opportunity to market your fur 
for harvesters is where the world comes to buy wild fur. The auction house is run by trappers for trappers. That means folks at the auction house understand the ups and downs of running a trap line, the amount of work involved in preparing quality pelts, and the importance of each and every pelt that comes through their doors. Located in North Bay, Ontario, Canada, Fur Harvesters has receiving depots throughout the United States and Canada, making it easy to get your fur to the auction. So basically they have uh, receiving depots throughout the U.S. Pretty much wherever you live, you should be within reasonable driving distance of a Fur Harvesters depot. Um, and if you're not, you may be able to get in touch with someone who, who is. You can get on furharvesters.com and find the information on all the different places that uh, you can drop off your fur. Uh, and or potentially you can just mail your fur to somebody uh, to one of the regional depots as well. They hold at least two major fur auctions each year and recently they've been holding at least one of those auctions usually uh, it's been their March auction in Helsinki Finland. This has been a decision they made several years back to try and get fur closer to the buyers in Russia and it's really paid off in huge dividends so they've been able to get some pretty good premium prices for a lot of furs by having that auction held in in Finland it's in conjunction with Saga Furs uh, and so uh, they're able to get a bunch of buyers in one room and, um, and and get you know pretty much the best price that that they're gonna be able to get for your furs uh, depending on what the markets doing you can learn more about fur harvesters at www.furharvesters.com. That's where you can find information on past auction results, get instructions on how to ship fur, find a list of receiving agents and how to contact them, learn about upcoming auctions, and much more. You can also call them at 705-495-4688. That's furharvesters.com. Alright, so let's get into tonight's episode. Um, I have uh, an excellent, excellent interview segment with Ron Jones. So uh, for a few weeks here, we've been you've been hearing uh, some of the uh, I had two two previous episodes with Ron, and we talked about a number of different topics. We had a, a nice long conversation when I interviewed him, and we went over a whole bunch of things. So tonight is the third and final segment of that interview. And we talked about, uh, we, we dug really deep. And the thing with Ron is you you listen to him uh, talk trapping, you're really going to think whether you want to or not, you're going to be forced to think. And uh, and it really, the, the line of thinking that he goes through uh, when discussing habits and behaviors of animals uh, and methods uh, for trappers, it really... It, it really makes you, I think, think like a more effective trapper. So a few of the things that we discussed were being a location based on methods trapper versus a methods based on location trapper. There is a difference, and it it's a pretty important distinction. We talked about making test sets and scouting ahead of the season, uh, doing that work in the off-season. We went into Ron's advanced lure and luring and baiting strategies. I thought this was a, a very informative topic, and I learned a lot of things that I'm going to apply when I am Martin and Fisher trapping up here in northern Maine. We also talked about establishing bait stations and draw stations, uh, ADC trapping with cages, as well as fur trapping with cages, and how lure and bait strategies can make you a more effective cage trapper as well. So I hope you enjoy this interview. I know I did. And uh, if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. You can contact me at jrodwood at gmail.com. That's J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks again, and let's get into the interview. Most of the time in trapping, you will hear me say I am a method based on location trapper. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yep. Okay. Versus location based. Versus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Location based on method. All right. Most of your most of your production trappers, most of your really really good trappers today, are going to be location based on method. 
So, right, so what you're saying there is I, I like the, uh, this particular type of dirt hole set, for instance. So I'm going to pick spots where the dirt hole set will work. Exactly. As opposed exactly. to this is the spot where the coyote is. I'm going to make the type of set that will work here. That will work there. Okay. Correct. Correct. It's harder. Um, perception wise to be a method based on location trapper. Oh yeah. I get it. You're always challenging yourself to think, <laughs> but, but again, what do we say? You know, it's not rocket science. It's not complicated, but at one time it was. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's the same thing is an ADC forced me because before I really got into doing a lot of, you know, it was, it, it was a gradual change from a production trapper. Okay. To a, what I am now. Mm-hmm. And it's so simple for me. I just literally walk up to a spot. There's the tracks, there's the sign, there's the set. It's there. There's no, it literally took me 15 seconds to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Where somebody just trying to get in into this, I can, it, it is, it, it is going to be perplexing. Okay. I understand that where the guy who does the step in step down set, you know, the legged step down set, mm-hmm. He knows what he's got to do. He already knows the set he's going to make. He just looks for that spot. He's going to accept the, the step down set. Then he pops it in and he's moving on. Yep. Most production drivers are going to be that. I'm I'm guilty of that. Or I've been guilty of that. Yeah, I'm trying to is. force myself out of it. But well, and it's hard. It's hard. And and that's what I say. Everybody listening to this, they all work. <laughs> yeah. no, it's what your style is. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Bennett, at you know. A couple of years ago, he was in the school. He's the other instructor at the school, and I used him for an example. And I, uh, he was sitting there, and and then one of the students was saying something, and it fell right in. I said, I said, I'll, I'll use this example, and I pointed to Morgan, and he he looks at me and he goes, Morgan, right there, is a location based on method trapper, and he gave me this look like, what are you talking about, <laughs> right? And I said, Morgan likes that particular set that you, he's showing you. And what Morgan does is Morgan goes out and finds a location to put that set in, and he moves on. He's fast. He's experienced. He produces. He he catches a ton of foxes that way, and it's and 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 he capitalizes on that on that mindset. All right. I said, but me, I'm a I'm a uh, method based on location, and I explained, you know, whatever I see. Morgan didn't say nothing to me, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I grabbed the look his book. He's going to come punch me in the head or something. Right? <laughs> Next morning, he comes walking up. He points right to me, and he goes, I thought about what you were saying last night. And I went, oh, crap, right? He goes, and you're 100% right. Told me I walked off. <laughs> <laughs> but this year in the course, you know, that was three, four years ago, whatever it was. This year in the course, he told guys, listen, Jones is going to talk to you about uh, method based on location and location based on method. He said, and the longer I'm in ADC, the more I am becoming method based on location. Yeah. And you have to be right because the, the location's already selected for you. Yes. We don't, we don't, we can't choose the location. We have got to figure out what's going to catch the animal there. So to me, to go out and, and, and look at a location and say, this set will work. It, it is happening as quick as I just said it. Okay. Yeah. Um, to you, you're still thinking about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and, and right. And I may only have two or three sets to draw from. Uh, whereas a more experienced trapper would have, you know, maybe a dozen different types of sets that they could use and, and, and adapt to that location. But here's the, here's the reply to that. The more experienced trapper that is, that has those different methods to his disposal or her disposal may not be as productive with those other methods because they don't practice them or work on becoming the machine with those other sets that they are with the one or two that they like. Yeah. So to become unlucky in my job, my practice comes every day 20, 30 times a day. Yeah. Okay. 
to the fur trapper, they've got to do it in the off season. Mm -hmm. And to the fur trapper, they've got to constantly go out in the off season, find a spot. What set will work here and make a mock set. Don't put a trap there, but make a mock set. Okay. Hang your loop or do whatever you want to do. But you're, 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 you're working to make yourself better. Okay. With that being said, it's easier just to rely on what you're good at, correct? Yeah. Um, and for the 80%, it works, right? Yeah, people catch a lot of fur doing that. So, so, and, and again, I've had guys mad as a hornet at me when I say it, and then they calm down and they hear what I'm saying. Listen, it's not wrong. It's just not the way I do it. I'm a method based on location. Morgan's a location based on method. Both catches the snot out of animals. <laughs> whatever fits your whatever fits your style. Yeah, but Ron, one thing we haven't talked about is you sell lure. So you're supposed to say that it doesn't matter what you do, you're gonna just put your lure on the set and they're gonna catch well, it. Well the, the, the first thing is all these lure and bait manufacturers <laughs> out there they're, 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 they're just full of it because all we're gonna tell you is that their baits and lures are the best. And and, 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 it's, and it's a falsity. And the reason it's false is because mine is. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Bates and Lures is probably 10 to 20% of the whole product there. And and and, you, and I'm, you're not talking to me. Now, if you come to my table at the conventions, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell you. Okay. Well, but, you're, you're in business. But you gotta, right, but, you got to you gotta pay but, the bills. <laughs> But in reality here is this, you know, location, location, location. All right. And I remember being a young trapper, learn, trying to learn how to trap and listen to these guys. How do I do this? Well, just go to the spot. What do you mean go to the spot? You know, um, the, the location, 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 man. If, if, if you are on location, you don't need nothing but a trap. Mm -hmm. Snaring proves that every time we set a snare oh i bet that's that's for yeah that's kind of forced you into uh learning that location 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 okay location for foot trap is what the spot that he's going to put his foot okay you got your general location there's your corner of your field just for the hay mound or whatever okay now what is the best spot that he's going to not think about putting his foot down now, it sounds complicated the way I just said it, but it's so freaking easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark, Mark June said it to me, you know, when we went out to the thing, he, he said, Jonesy, make me a set. And I went down, and I was pretty as a peacock, man. I, pop, 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 you know, here's a, here's a Yankee jersey boy that's, uh, and I'm, I'm half rank, you know, I'm half Yankee and half rebel, okay, so. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm a man without a country here, but, but you know, this old boy, just, I, I just went down and I popped that old that old trap in there and I made that thing. It's just pretty as could be. And he walked up to me and looked at me and he goes, yep, a friggin' fox trapper. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at it and said, what? And he goes, you're a fox trapper. He said, look at your pattern. Look at your trap. Look, look at everything you've done. I said, I bet traps back, back 9, to 18, uh, 9 to 12 inches. He said, but it's a fox trap and pattern. Right? I didn't understand what he meant. I really didn't. Until we got into the course and started looking at where the coach was stepping and what the coach was doing, and then I understood exactly what he was saying. Okay, and I don't want to give out too many secrets because I won't. But there is a difference between a fox trapper and a coyote trapper, right? And and that is what we're. You've got to, as a trapper, you've got to, uh, there's a difference between a coon trapper and a fox trapper. Well, people say, duh, no, there, there really is, okay? Because if I'm going to set a coon trap at a dirt hole, a foothead trap at a dirt hole for a coon, I'm going to set it just a little bit different than I'm going to, than I will for a fox, all right? So there's going to be different little subtle things that I'm going to, that I'm going to do. And, and is that making sense to you? I could I could see the process. I don't know what I would do different, um, and and <laughs> in the Mark June situation, uh, but I but I uh, I can see how there would be differences. 
I just don't know what those are. <laughs> no, and 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 you can't learn them on a phone conversation. Right. It's they, it's yeah. you know uh, I I set foot traps in New Jersey, quote unquote, all summer long, but I don't set foot traps. In other words, all summer long, what I do is I go out and I put in dirt holes. I put in flat sets. I put in this. I put in that. I just don't have a trap. Follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then I come back and I see how that animal worked that trap bed without the trap being there. Yeah. So I'm foot trapping without a trap. All right. So I can still, if you call me and say, hey, listen, we got to go. Hey, Ryan, come on up there to uh, come up here with me tomorrow and, and, and we got to set some foot traps. I'm coming up ready. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, I've got to figure out is your freaking ground up there. How much rock is in it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, can I drive a stinking steak? I mean, after you, know, you I mean, get through the three feet of snow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do it in the spring. Do it when it, when it falls out there. <laughs> okay. You know? See you in June. <laughs> <laughs> when I, you know, when I deer hunted up there and, and, and all that, that was the first thing I noticed. God, is there any place that doesn't have rocks? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> how do you try, how do you put a dirt hole in here? Well, I guess you guys don't. Okay. Um, where you use uh, augers. Um, so your mindset would be different for different types of sets up there. That's where the scent post would be or the, or, or the, or the, uh, the blind set with a foot trap or, or, or using uh, three hole sets or, or, or mouse set. You know, whatever it is is going to work. You got to figure it out, but you don't figure it out in the season. Yeah. You figure it out in the off season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that intrigued me that you mentioned earlier um, is uh, baiting, luring, and baiting strategies. <laughs> so you mentioned, and you don't need to get into too much detail if you don't want to, but you, you mentioned uh, you know multiple lures and multiple baits. And, and is that something that uh, just applies to cage trapping? Or I, I'm trying to get at your mindset behind that strategy. Uh, I, if you ask Newt, who uses baits and lures with snares? Newt would just point right, right directly to me. Okay. <laughs> and he's, he knows I can do it. Okay. Um, there's a, I, I have a, I have a urine post set for, with a snare. Okay. Um, now why do I have it? Um, because there's places in my area that I've got one or two fox in a hundred acres. And he's only coming through every two or three days. Now I, I got my choice. I can either set out 50 snares in that hundred acres to try to catch two foxes, or I can try to pull the son of a gun into me. Right. And I've learned that, that, um, in the right situations and the right ways, you can, you can pull foxes, coyotes. One of the best tools in here in, the, in New Jersey for snaring coyotes is, is your, is a bait station. Okay but not just a base station flopped out on the ground. All right. I'm going to, if I put in a base station, I'm burying that baby. That sucker is buried. Okay. And I'm, and, and I'm, and I'm establishing a bait station, if you will. Um, not for the five snares I'm going to set, but for year round visits. In other words, I'm creating, trying to create a habit in the coyote or foxes that every time they're in that area, they got to come check out that bait station. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we use the word bait station at that, but it's actually a draw station because I make, because how long does a carcass buried in the ground remain edible, especially in August? <laughs> Not very. Not very long. Okay. So now what's that base station turned into curiosity. Okay. But more so than curiosity, it turns into uh, territorial or, social depending on the, the year you're in again we're going we're getting into those um uh, phases if you will mm -hmm. okay so in august and september it might be social in november and december it might be territorial and in in uh, uh in midwinter it might be i'm hungry to see if there's anything here to eat yeah okay so when i make a station for foxes or coyotes I don't care how much they eat. I care about how many times they come, right? Because every time they come, what are they going to do? They're going to investigate it 
They're going to investigate it, and when they investigate, what are they doing? They're going to leave some of their sign. Exactly. They're going to poop. They're going to pee. They're going to scratch. They're going to leave their smell there. When Charlie leaves and, and George comes in, okay, he knows Charlie was there. Yep. He might Charlie might be part of the pack, meaning social pack. Um, in other words, whether it's out west or here in the northeast, in the northeast, you got the same scenario we do. You probably see that your coyotes run in packs a little bit longer than the, the western coyotes do. Yes, uh, here, uh, here in yeah. Jersey, yeah, we, we'll have, and when I talk to Western coyotes about our guys about the, our coyotes, you know, our our coyote uh, uh, packs started breaking up in January. You know, I, I actually just heard some howling about half an hour ago while you were talking about <laughs> right, right. About so that was that, that was either the pair, but even on the Eastern coyote, and there is a little bit of difference between the Eastern coyote and the Western coyote. At least I'm told that um, that you know. Even though the the family unit broke up, the kids that didn't breed yet are still in the area, and then the adults will tolerate them in the vicinity. Well, oh, yes, yeah. you know it's yeah. yeah they're breaking up. So, so you know that bait station turned into a draw station, and and that's one of the methods. Well, everybody said, well, everybody knows that. Okay, that's that's what that is. But just like I just mentioned about the uh, scent post, okay. I'll come off 50, 60, 70 yards on a well-defined open trail that I can't normally set a snare in. But the coyotes or the foxes are running up and down this road. I'll put a, I'll put a, a scent post in there. All right. And uh, no, it's not 100%. Okay. And you're not going to use it every time you go out. But it's one of those 10% type sets where, you know, you're, you're not able to get him in on the drop excuse me, on the draw station, it, maybe it's just too open. So I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a, a send post out there. Okay. Or we'll use a dirt hole. I, I've, I've, I've gone into grassy areas where I'll go in and, and I'll dig a great big old eight inch, big hole, great big eight hole, eight inch hole, you know, pull the dirt out, make it look like a groundhog hole, make it about 20 yards in off the, uh, the road or whatever in that grass, that, that grass there. And I usually try to position that hole. So it's on the upwind side of that road or that trail. So when I throw bait urine or whatever on that hole, that smell is blowing down at, from the hole right straight out to the, uh, to the, uh, road or travel out or whatever it is that they're, they're working on. Um, I've got it. 20 yards back, 30 yards back sometimes, but it's seen. They can see. It. It's amazing how they can see that pile of dirt. Uh, sometimes if you're in bobcat country, you can't do this, but, you know, I'll hang a feather or a trash bag. I've, I've hung just a little strip of plastic yep. or a feather or, you know, the, what do they call them, them things that the uh, the saloon hookers used to wear, bolas, I think that's what it is. I don't um, know. <laughs> <laughs> those featherly looking things that go around the lead, you know, the yeah. western shows, okay, yeah. the bolas. Um, a piece of that, hang that above it. But the key is you hang your snare out towards the edge where they're going to turn into the, um, you know, within five feet of, of where they turn into the trail. You, you don't want it right on the edge of the trail. You want it, you know, five feet or so because mm -hmm. you want them, you want them centered up and on the trail in other words. But the key is they are seeing the hole and your sight attractor right through the middle of the snare. Okay. Their mind sight, their eyesight, their mind, their, their, their senses is all what? What's out there? It's not on the snare. Yep. Now, is this well, similar to like uh, the guys that are wolf snaring up in Alaska? They're, they'll wait till they find there's a bend in the trail. And as soon as the wolf comes around the bend, he's looking off in the distance and the snares right in front of him, and he's not. Well, that's that, that's what we call sight line and sight picture. Okay. And and um, uh, actually, uh, uh, Pete from Alaska was in our class this year, and and uh, I had a I had a lot of great talks with that man because he was talking about wolf trapping and all that, and it was just I want to go to Alaska now, but oh yeah. <laughs> but um, the same principle with our coyotes here in, in the Northeast. You know, I talked to a lot of guys, and and your 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 first mindset is to set the uh, the snare on a straightaway. Okay, well, 
if you do that, you can, but that snare sticks out. Mm-hmm. Okay, that circle. Now, again, is the coyote scared of the snare? No. But will he go around it? If, if it seems easier to go around than through, he will, correct? Mm-hmm. So if you go on a bend, though, okay, or you make the bend beyond it, when he's coming through and he's looking at the snare, the bend now does what to the snare? It makes the snare disappear. Yep, it's out because of focus. Because the, the background blends in with the snare, or the snare blends in with the background, is a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Newt did that at the school this year. The guys, we had that question, and as we was talking about DP traps and all that, Newt went up and set this in a wide-open area. I mean, wide, flat-out open on a two-little two-track for, for the ATVs to run down, right? Literally, leaf vegetation in the woods. He hung the snare. He he strategically placed his what we call uh, focusers, okay, off the snare, and then he said, every, "When he come back to, it, nobody knew he was doing it, and was within thirty yards of us." He said to everybody, "Find a snare." Nobody could find a snare from where we were standing. Nobody could find a snare, and even when you start walking up, you couldn't because the snare blended in with the background. All right, and that's the key when you you know, especially when you're dealing with coyotes. But you know, when you talk, when you see all these boys out there, they're blending their snares. That's what they're doing. They're hiding the snare. They're blending in with the with the background, the, the in front and behind, whatever direction the, the, the critter's coming from. Yeah. So so uh, quickly back to the bait and lure stuff. Um, multiple baits, multiple lures. You're appealing to different. Uh, maybe I don't know if it's different phases or just different draws, different things that the animal's attracted to. Um, is, do you think it's a more of an advantage just to, to, uh, throw everything out there and hopefully something attracts that animal? But that's not, but that's not what I'm doing. Right. Okay. And I want to, yeah. I want to try and figure out, uh, because I feel, I feel like there's some drawback to that strategy. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, the animal comes out of its den or hole in the ground or wherever it's at. How long is it hungry? Every animal. How long is it hungry? Yeah. Till it eats? <laughs> <laughs> which is when? <laughs> as soon as it finds food. Yeah, which is usually probably within the first hour, right? Yeah, I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So, raccoon, we'll use a raccoon, for example. He comes out of his van... He goes to the nearest cornfield or deer feeder or whatever. How long does it take him to fill up? Probably not very long. Yeah, very long. Okay. So what's he doing the rest of the night? <laughs> uh, maybe looking for Mrs. Coon. Um, maybe uh, hanging out, inspecting being things. A, being a coon. Just being a coon. Right? <laughs> Same thing with the foxes and the guy. The guy comes out, goes to the free, he comes out, stretches legs, walks to the grass field. Smells a rabbit, jumps on the rabbit, eats his rabbit. He's now no longer famished, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I use the analogy when I'm talking this stuff. I, 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 I get up in the morning, I eat breakfast, but I'm so swamped during the day, I don't get a chance to eat lunch. I'm just going 100 mile an hour. I come home at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever it is. I'm starving. Oh, I'm hungry. I say to my wife, man, what do I, what, what's for dinner? She goes, I didn't get a chance to cook today. We got to go to a restaurant. I say, okay, I'm going to a restaurant, okay? We go to a restaurant, we sit down, the waiter comes up to me, do I say, I'm starving, bring me whatever, or do I take 10 minutes to look at the menu? <laughs> I look at the <laughs> okay. menu. Uh, it's the same thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, you know, we're always thinking about these animals are starving, okay? They're not. They're really not. Uh, I'm sure there are times they are, okay, especially up in Maine where, you know, but you got a lot of horse. You got a lot of snowshoe rabbits up there. So the, the, yeah, the everything. Things. Well, everything cycles. Um, every yeah, year it seems yeah. to be different. And we got uh, beech nut crops and all the trees. Right. So you got plenty of food for a lot of animals, realistically. Okay. So they're hungry for the first hour, two hours, maybe three hours. So what do they do for the next ten hours at night? They're being critters. Okay. Just like you and me. You ate. You ate your dinner. When you get off, when we get off this phone. Chances are you're going to go to the refrigerator, you're going to open up the refrigerator and say, I wonder what's in here to eat. You're not hungry, okay? You just want something to snack on, right? That's what I'm doing with my baiting, pro- my, my, my baiting strategies. Okay. I'm 
more than likely when that animal comes to my cage or that animal comes to my whatever my bait set is, okay, more than likely it is not going to be starving, okay? It's going to be in those that, ah, I wonder if that's any good. It's what I call a chocolate chip cookie mindset, all right? I love chocolate chip cookies. I could just, I could eat a seven-course minute. I could be filled up, ready to throw up. And if my wife brings out a hot chocolate chip cookie out of that oven, I have got to eat the son of a gun. All right. And I've got to have a glass of milk with it. I just have to. Yep. That's the same thing I'm doing with these animals. Why I use two or three lures is because I really don't know what's going to strike its fancy that night. Okay. Is it going to be sweets or is it going to be a fish or is it going to be meat? I don't know. So, overall, give him, give him whatever, we'll give him that. He may win all three. Okay, or he may only want one. I find with raccoons and even foxes a lot of times, they like the sweet stuff. Now, that's, that throws a meat for a lot of people. You know, they like the sweet stuff. Um, why? Because they can't always get it. And, you know, when I hear guys talk about, well, feed, feed, feed them whatever they are eating normally. Well, I don't want to eat. I love steak and I love turkey, but I don't want to eat it every friggin' night. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my mindset is give them what they can't get. Okay. Strike the curiosity. Strike the chocolate chip t- cookie mindset. Strike the the quote unquote taste factor. Okay. And this is where you get into a lot of. Uh, and this is where we can get into another two hours. Okay. Just talking about base and lures. Yeah. Because you've got you got smell versus taste uh, draws. Yes, and you've absolutely. Got, yeah, yep. Oh my God, it's just thick. It's whatever. So we're not even. And that's the, yeah, and the different with dog proofs versus uh, footholds and all uh, that. Yeah, absolutely, you know. So now, the, I, I, I have to go down this other road because I want to get your thoughts on this though. Um, let's say you get the chocolate chip cookie um, type of bait, but you're in northern. The trapper's in northern Maine, and he's trapping for Martin and Fisher, and he's required to use a device. That only allows the, the a ten pound fisher has to squeeze through a four inch by four inch hole in front of a box. Mm-hmm. So the effort um, it, it it's much more difficult to get to that to that bait. In- well, I'm not a I'm not a fisher or a martin grapper. Okay, I want to be one of these days, but I'm not. But I know a man who's pretty doggone good at it. And Bob Noonan and I have had a lot of talks on this thing. And I remember the first time Bob Noonan and I was talked about my baiting strategies for cages. And the first thing out of his mouth was too much to think about. Trappers will never do this. And I said, Bob, just, just do it. Okay, just <laughs> kind of like you would say, <laughs> just do it, right? Just do what I'm telling you to do and do it. Bob actually wrote an article on this. Yeah. He about was Martin and Fisher. That was the okay. strawberry. He was using some strawberry jam or something. Uh huh. But, if you also ask him, okay, he's going to tell you he he puts two to three baits per set now. Based on that that same mindset? Based on what our conversations was, and I don't know where he got the strawberry bait because I, I didn't know that realistically until this year. I've had three or four guys come to me and ask me if I can come up with a Martin Fisher bait. <laughs> and I said I and my I, I said to the one guy, I have no idea what, what, they, what they want. And he said... I want something sweet. I looked at him and I, I must have given him a look like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, I, again, this is how we trappers think, you know, we, I've never, I wouldn't, I would never even dream of a far, uh, Martin or a Fisher going after something sweet. I just, just wouldn't dream of it. Why? Because I never thought of it. I just never thought of it. Never forced myself. So I'm working on some sweet Martin and Fisher base to send up north this year nice. to be tested out. Yep. Um, but again, the key is offering three different baits, okay? So you offer the sweet bait. You offer the meat bait also, and then you offer whatever the third bait is that you think they might want. Maybe it's a mouse or whatever. I don't know. Uh, you boys that catch Martin and Fishers, you know what I'm talking about. You offer those three. And the guys that have gone to two and three baits per Martin Fisher trap has told me their catch ratios or catch percentages have gone up. It makes sense. Now, uh, okay. I, I, I've the other thing that I've been experimenting with is 
I'm trying to add a gland allure um, to a lot of these boxes. And, and the idea behind that in my mind is, well, what if, what if the bait isn't enough to draw this animal into this tight box? Uh, would the gland lure add some sort of territorial instinct to go and get their nose on that 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 would be more of a, a drive than the than the bait well i've been told and again you're talking to an old boy that's never caught a fisher or seen a fisher in his life never caught a martin or seen a martin in his life okay i'm just going on what guys are told me but i've told i've been told that at certain points of uh, time and i don't know if it's factual or a bunch of baloney. I don't know. Okay, so I'm telling you that. I'm, I'm, I'm yep. taking that disclosure there. But I've been told that a gland lure will attract those animals. Um, I won't tell you what gland lures that was told to me will because I, I, I'm sworn to secrecy. But, but, <laughs> yep. but I've, I've been told that gland lures uh, do, in fact, work. Again, disclaimer. I don't know that. <laughs> no, but 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 I but your thought process, the thought process is the same. So that's why I was trying to yeah. trying to get that. Um, well, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll use this on this. this. Here's an old coon trapper's trick that a lot of uh, guys don't realize. You want to catch a boar coon? Use fox or coyote or bobcat glandler. Really? Okay, that's my that's my secret. For years, guys said, "What's your secret to catching them big old coon boar coons?" Well, once January rolls around. I'm going to use Glanlor on that mound set that I talked to you about the, with the DP trap. Right on the top of that mound set, I'm putting a glob of Glanlor. Huh. And in cages, when I get coons, it's giving me a little bit of a, a little bit of a hassle. I squirt fox urine in the back of the cage, or squirt Glanlor in the back of the cage. All right, Glanlor in the summertime. After the pups are running around and, and older, some sows will go into the, you can catch sows on the gland lure also. Around June, though, around January, most of the time you're not going to catch the sows. I'm not going to say you won't, okay, because as soon as I tell you you won't, I'll make a liar out of you. Right. Guys are going to tell you, yeah, you caught 50 of them. But typically, in the January, when I don't want to catch the sows, unless they're humongous, right? I'm, I used a lot of gland lures, for example, on my DP trap. I'm going to put my Banana Supreme or my Nomos or my Sweet Bait down in the bottom of that uh, DP trap, okay? I'm going to put uh, either uh, Sheep's Wool or Hollow Fill on top of the bait underneath the trigger. Nothing ever comes above the trigger. I only, I only put a teaspoon of bait down in the bottom of there. I put the hollow fill or the or the sheep's wool underneath the trigger. On the lip of the trigger, I'm going to put persimmon, uh, sweet corn, per, uh, purple passion. They're all I taste. Both of these products are taste products. Okay. In other words, they lick them, they like them. Yeah. Okay. They like and them, then, and they want to go get more. Right. And then if it's early season, I will either put my coon call or my or my old swamp coon as a call lure about a foot above it hanging above it if I can okay and then a lot of times on the third one I'll put a gland lure right at the base of the trap on the ground in January I'm going to hang the gland lure where I had the uh, the uh, the call lure before and I catch the boars now these are things that it's just trial and error you... the, no this was this was stuff that I learned from ADC watching animals work traps. Okay. And and wasn't trial. I, I there, there's a lot of trial and error, but when it comes to debating strategies, it was being embarrassed too many times and had to figure it out. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. When you when you set a coon trap on top of a roof, and you're standing there with the customer, and they're thinking you're God, and the coon comes out, walks around the trap, and walks off. Uh, don't look good. <laughs> uh, or you or you see the, the coon come out of the hole with the customer standing there, walk into the trap, walk up to the pan, grab the pan with one paw, pull the pan to it, and then reach over and eat all your bait and walk out of the trap. That doesn't go good. No, I can't imagine. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
the stuff that I'm telling you about baiting strategies is what I picked up 20, 30 years ago. Okay. Really, realistically in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, when I first started making my baits and lures, that's when I started making my baits and lures. Okay. But, um, we picked it, we, we did this stuff way back in the eighties and nineties because I had to figure out why these coon was springing traps, walking around traps and whatever. And what I realized was this, when you take a, um, the bait and you put it in the back of a cage trap, where's the coon go? Goes around. He goes around. What? Now, that trap's a negative. I don't care what anybody says. He knows it's there. He's not afraid of it. I didn't say he was afraid of it. It's a negative. All right. Um, just like if you are in a, a city that's known for criminal activity and you look and you see a bag full of money 30 feet down that, that, that alley, you're not just charging into it. You're going to say, man, how can I figure out how to get this son of a gun? Right? Because you know, there could be a bad situation down in there. Okay. The same thing with this, that, that, that coon is saying this, I don't feel comfortable with this. The next thing I learned with cage traps, foot traps, snares, or whatever, whenever you're using baits, the animal always goes to the downwind side of the bait. Always. You knew that as a trapper. Yeah. Every trapper knows that. Play the wind, play the wind. But how many trappers, when it comes to a cage trap or setting a snare with bait, are thinking that? The, the tool has to be downwind. So... If I've got a crosswind blowing, the, the raccoon comes out of the hole and the, and the wind's blowing from left to right, all right, when I set a cage, I want the opening of that cage trap facing the direction that the animal's coming in, all right? Mm-hmm. I also know what's going to happen. If the wind is blowing from right to left, even though the opening of the cage is directly in the direction that he sees the opening of the cage, he's heading right towards that opening of the cage. So straight line to the opening of that cage with the wind blowing left to right, what's the animal going to do? He's going to go to the left side of the trap. All right. And he's going to go to the back left side of the trap. And when he gets to the back left side of the trap, what's he going to do? He's going to start working it. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to work to the back of the trap now. Because he knows where the bait's at. He doesn't have to pay attention to the wind anymore. He's going to go to the back of the trap. He's going to work it. Then he's going to go to the right side of the trap. He's going to work it. Then he's going to go on top of the trap and going to work it. And then he's going to drop to the back of the trap again. And he's just going to keep doing all that until the chances are he either is lucky enough to say, oh, wait a minute, there's a hole in the front. Or he walks off because he's bored. All right? And this is where I learned about the three baits and stuff, too, because I've seen when animals come out, take a, take a big look at the bait, take a big whiff of it and say, I'm not in the mood for that. <laughs> I'm just, just not in the mood for it. Right. So what I do in the baiting strategies, I put a little bit, I put one or two of the baits about a foot out in front of the trap, right in front of the opening. So the animal's coming up to the trap. He's that's a normal travel route. He's heading right towards that trap about a foot in front of the trap. He runs into these three little baits about the size of a pea. Mm-hmm or a lima bean at the most, and it's smeared on whatever, the ground or whatever. And he smells it, and he licks it, and he tastes it, and if he likes it, wow. Right on the lip of the trap now, okay? I'm going to put the same three baits, but I'm segregated. Um, no Moses on the left, Banana Supreme's in the center. Um, uh, another uh, Got a Dine is on the, on the right, okay? When I get to the lip of the trap, it's the exact same thing. Boom, boom, boom. Right? Right before the treadle, right before the pan, I do it again. Boom, boom, boom. The three of them, right? They're all segregated. <laughs> no more, no bigger than the size of a lima bean. Okay? Most of the time, not, e- most of the time, not even that big. Just, just enough for a lick. Right? Behind the pan, or on the top of the pan, or behind the pan, I'm going to put the same three baits, but a little bit bigger quantity, all right? Just a little bit. That's the size of a walnut bean, all right? Now I'm going to go out to the front where the bait is. I'm going to take my first lure, and I'm going to run a line from the from there to the to just inside the lip of the trap. And then I'm going to run a second lure from there to the pan. I'm going to put a third lure on the pan and just behind the, uh, the, 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 the pan on the back. And if I use a fourth one, I'll put the fourth one only in the back. 
what I've just now created was segregated odors to create curiosity and excitement and desire. So is there a drawback to this? Is it possible to overdo it? I, I, I will never ever set a cage trap or, or anything like that or, or baited box without doing that process. Really? I will never ever do it. I, like I told you that article I wrote, okay. And, and, and Bob post and, and but I can't remember three, four years ago, whatever it was. Um, I am so absolute on this that I will not do it otherwise. Wow. I am I seeing am... a lot of parallels on how we can we can apply that same type of process. Uh, same thing. Same thing with your your baited boxes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Your 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 problem with your Martin and your Fisher up there, and then again again I know nothing about it. I'm not an authority on it, but I've talked to a lot of people that are. Okay. And one of your one of your dilemmas that you want to have with with putting a bait outside the box on your on your lean and pole is that your birds and your squirrels. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if you did that. If you could figure out a scent, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a lure uh, on a sweet consistency that you could run that log. You might be you might be getting getting yourself ahead of the game. Yeah. Because he'll be smelling that. Uh, and 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 I, and I go back onto this mindset here. How I came up with all this was watching raccoons come out of holes on a, I would never know, I would never find this stuff out as a, as a fur trapper. And I am a fur trapper. By the way, for the guys who think that I'm not a fur trapper, I am still a fur trapper. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I would never figure this stuff out with a fur trapper. Why? Because I wouldn't spend the time to watch it. Yeah. All right. You move on to get the other 80%, the rest of the 80%. Yeah. When I, when I tell guys, you know, guys say, so why, Josie, why are you so crazy about coon? I said, because when you miss a coon, you miss six bucks. When I miss a coon, I miss 300. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Big difference. <laughs> yes. So, so the first thing I noticed with a, with a coon, when it would walk up to the opening of a, uh, to the opening of the trap, it would smell at the very front bottom edge of the trap. Okay. And then it would smell the very bottom edge of the set door that's above its head and it would pay a lot of attention to the, the where the where the door came down and hits the bottom of the cage and it would pay a lot of attention at the front bottom edge and i couldn't figure that out at first so why is there so much concentration on these two spots and then one day watching a coon work a trap, it dawned on me, where's the majority of the animal smell going to be in that trap? Right there where that door drops down and you locked him up. Yep. Because that trap, is, if it's an angled door, meaning a spring-loaded door, the trap is on an angle, the angle is going to force the animal to work right there at the bottom of the trap where the, where the, trap, where the door hits the bottom of the trap. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's what we call a trapper's model, where it's a gravity-fed door and it drops straight down, the door moves right there, and the animal knew he came in there, and, and with the movement, back out. he's still going to try. So he's rubbing all his oils, he's rubbing his nose, he's rubbing his face, he's rubbing his paws, all the all the odors that that animal is giving off, the the, the saliva, the, the the snot out of their nose, the blood that's off their hands or the scratches. The, 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 the glands that's in the hands, okay, in the, in the pulse, it's all being put in those, that spot right there more than any other, more than any other that spot in that trap. And you need to overcome so, that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what do I do? I snack them into the cage trap. <laughs> I don't feed them into the cage trap. I snack them into the cage trap, all right? I probably use less bait and lure doing that, my process, than the average trapper uses just by putting the bait and the lure in the back of the trap. Matter of fact, I know that does because I get the guys that buy the baits off. Yeah, and of course you tell them they got to use the whole thing. Just stick that whole thing in the cage. You're you're looking at a doggone golf ball size, minimal for most guys. Yeah. And most of the time, you know, I said to one guy, 
he was buying he was buying the twelve ounce jars. I said, "What are you drinking this stuff or something?" He goes, "No, I'm beating." I said, "How many traps are you getting out of this?" He goes, oh, five or six." Now he's an ADC guy. Get me? Okay, so he don't care because he's getting three hundred dollars a raccoon too. Yeah. But I said, "Man, you should be getting twenty to thirty beans out of that jar." No way. Yes way. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, so, you know, uh, a one ounce lure, I get 10 sets out of, all right. And I'm still putting it down for the liberal, but what I'm doing is I'm using three lures at the same consistency. All right. So I'm not using as much lure per, per product. If, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I came up with these strategies, sitting there watching, get my butt handed to me by animals and then have to figure out how to overcome these son of a guns. All right. Just like, a, you know, just like the vision, you, you want to pull an animal and use visual. I don't care if it's a snare. I don't care if it's a foot trap. I don't care if it's a cage trap. Use your visuals, man. Get that animal sight focused on where you want to be 20, 30 feet back. All right. Because he's, chances are he's not smelling the product 20, 30 feet back. I'm not saying they won't, okay? And, 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 and you know, uh, I'll, I'll say it here. You know, all my baits and lures are going to be smelled five miles away. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're lucky if you get 20 yards. Yeah. Yeah, there are times you're getting 50 to 100 yards. And I'm not, and the stronger the baits, the better they are. But in all reality, with a five-mile-an-hour wind that's rolling across the ground, you're not getting that coverage. You're just not getting it. Yeah. So, so. You need to get their attention way back. Remember what I said? Sight line, sight picture, sight line, sight picture. Get that raccoon, get that fox's attention on that thing back. I tell guys in the, in the snaring courses, where is the animal deciding what trail he's taking? How far would you say? And they'll, they'll give their distances, you know, five feet, 10 feet, whatever. I said, subconsciously, where do you decide where you're walking? How far back? They looked at me. I said, most of the time when you're walking through the woods, subconsciously, you've already decided 40 to 50 feet ahead of you where you're going. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Okay. That animal is no different. Now, he may not be thinking 40, 50 feet because he can't, he doesn't have our height thing, but he's, he's thinking 20, 30 feet easy. He's already picking up that trail where he wants to go in that trail, 20, 30 feet down that trail. Oh yeah, and I, you see the the Martin and Fisher are doing. They're going up to these little high spots just so they can see, and, exactly. and they're deciding where they're going to go based on that. Exactly, and 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 again, I don't know that about Martin and Fisher, but Fox do the same thing. So when you hang your snare, you don't want that. You you want it so he doesn't see that snare until he's five six feet away, meaning to comprehend that there's something there. Okay. Uh, same thing with your foot traps. Now, on your foot traps, the farther out he can see the set, the better off you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same thing with cages. The farther out they can see the set, the better off you are. So, it's 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 um, there's a lot to think about. I guess this stuff is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good stuff, man. This is a lot of information. I I really appreciate you. Uh, you sharing all this um well you're you're two and a half hours dude (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're definitely gonna be multiple episodes here but uh uh, yeah this is awesome we could talk all night all all the next day probably um but i i guess uh we gotta end it sometime um is there anything else that uh that we didn't cover that you had wanted to get to no everything else is secrets i don't want to let (laughs) know so people people can find out more um uh, your website acpwildlifepro.net a- acpwildlifepro.net or, or the, face, the Facebook the Facebook pretty guys is on it Facebook is the way to go anymore and, and if they, they can either go to Ron Jones Facebook page or they can go to the ACP wildlife uh, or ACP um, game calls and outdoor sense um, Facebook page and that's that's where a lot of information is given anymore um, you know because we interact with each other yeah. Um, without a bunch of uh, baloney. Yeah. Um, and, and for guys that are interested in the school, um, man, I'm, I'm I, just talking with you. I'm thinking like, man, I can't imagine what you go over in the school. Uh, are, are there, is that, I'm assuming that's all booked up. 
uh, radio. No, no, no. We we won't even we won't even start to promote that until till probably August, and it'll be the second or third week end in January, more like more, more likely again, because that seems when most people can come out. Each year it gets more and more, but um, you know we'll 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 start promoting it in in August more or less. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it at the trapping conventions, but. And Newt and I haven't even had a date yet. We have to have to talk to him this week to see. Okay, or so guys can guys before. can contact either you or Newt um, for more information. Yeah, or Morgan. And and um, um, you know we there's there's there, there'll be openings there. It's it's a good school. Um, we feed you well. If you don't learn anything, at least at least you eat. <laughs> and it's a laid back. It's it's, it's a lot of laid back um, um, talk like we're doing tonight. Yeah. To where it makes you make you think, and and especially me, I'm I'm going to make you think. Um, I don't want you I don't want you a clone of me. Yeah. I want you to be a clone of yourself. Um, and you become that that trap or that person. I became what I am now because I sat, listened to experienced good trappers, and and I'm a. I always try to take instructions every year from somebody, um, somehow, way, shape, or form, whether it's in the wildlife control or it's in fur trapping, mm -hmm. because knowledge is um, the key. All right. None because of us is too good enough to learn something. You, yeah, you can apply it when when you can start applying this stuff and checking things out. The trapper that gets himself in trouble is a rut trapper. Yeah. And he, I'm not saying they're not good. I've had guys want to punch me in the head when I said that. When I, you know, I've said to guys, "You are an unbelievable trapper. I wish I could be of your caliber, but you're in a rut." And they take offense to that at first, until they realize what I'm saying to them. Listen, you imagine what you could be if you get yourself out of the friggin' rut, and 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 apply what you already know into new. But we're afraid of making. We're we're afraid of failure. We are. Just think about that. And oh, what is failure? Right? That, actually, exactly. what is failure? What is failure? It is not catching an animal failure. Not if you learn something. Exactly. Right. But we're so conditioned to 100% success and our mindset of deer hunters. Uh, talking about deer sense. They, they, I say to them, guys, you're so afraid to learn that you don't learn. Um, you know, you're, for, you're so afraid to try. I had a, I had a guy using my deer son and he was telling me what, and he's a good hunter, man. He's a flat out doggone good buck hunter, man. He knew how to kill a nice box every year. And he said, Jonesy, he said, I got this two bucks and they're out in front of me and I just can't bring them into me. And I need a scent to, uh, to, to work. And I said, well, obviously they're upwind of you correct? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, the only option you have is you've got to go out to that spot where they're at and you've got to drag a scent back to you. He goes, I can't do that. <laughs> I said, well, why can't you do that? He said, that's no man's land. I said, it's 50, 60 yards in front of you. He says, yeah, but I've, I never go there. I said, why don't you ever go there? He says, because that's where the deer are at. <laughs> I said, well, they're upwind of you. Yeah. I said, so how are you going to get them to you? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> and I said, and I just told you, go out there, put the drag down, and drag it back to you. Yeah, but that's no man's land. But I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. It took me three weeks to convince him to do it. Finally, in exasperation, he did it. And guess what he did? He killed one of them bucks, coming right to him on a string. Okay. We put these animals into this God status, all right, that we're so afraid to mess up with the gods, okay? They're not. My God is God in, God in heaven, okay? That's my God. These things that we're after, they're animals. They ain't even got a soul. They're critters we're going to skin out, okay? That's simple. <laughs> <laughs> or eat or whatever, all right? So, so, you know, I tell guys, listen, don't put yourself into a rut so strong that you can't try other things. And if you are that way, then go out in the off-season where it don't matter and see what kind of reactions you get. You don't need a foot trap in the ground to learn how to foot trap. Mm -hmm. You don't need a DP trap set to learn how to DP trap. 
and you don't need a snare set to learn how to snare, especially with cameras. Now, I've yeah. taken I've taken twine, okay, just regular white twine, and just hung it there, just draped it over cotton, just hung a loop there, and come back the next day to see if it was pulled off or not. Mm -hmm. So, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I started on another <laughs> rabbit trail there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, that's that's exactly right. I think uh, I think just that that whole process of learning, um, it's that's that's how you get better. Absolutely. So, well, Ron, um, thank you very much for 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 coming on. This was uh, this was really great information. Um, I appreciate it. No problem, my friend. Anytime. Right. I'd right. I'd love to have you on again sometime and and uh, and dig dig more into uh, into some of these these. Uh, topics it's just okay all right all right well you all have right. a good one i appreciate it right. talk to you next bye -bye. later bye -bye.